0: Radio يشير من مخنفر
1: ما با
2: Hello from various places: New Jersey, New York City, Long Island. This is Parsha Talk. I am Rabbi Elliot Malament in Holland Park, New Jersey. Joining me, Rabbi Jeremy Kalmanovsky in New York City, Anshe Chesed. Rabbi Barry Chesler, Solomon Schechter, Long Island. It's great to see you. How's it going? To be here. Beautiful to see it's you. Going well. Before we start, you know, we get we're getting more and more. Viewers, more and more listeners. We want to just say thank you for watching us. Thank you for spending so much time with us and spread uh, the word. We 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 just love sharing the parsha and thoughts on the parsha with you. And we want to honor you for spending your time with us. We really enjoy your comments, your remarks, and um, and do us a favor, share us. And you know what? One of these days we're going to make Parsha Talk T-shirts. We have merch. We're going to have <laughs> A podcast, <laughs> a, real, a real thing. You it know what? The way we call it swag. But we're not going to make money off of this, that's for sure. However, Why not? Why not? Why not? Why not? We should make money off of this. No, we can have Parsha talk, yarmulkes, and... I want to sell, I want to do the Be a Blessing t-shirt, okay? That's what I want to do. Anyway, we have a double Parsha this week. Obviously, we're ending the Book of Dvarim. we got a couple of more after this, Hazinu. And v'zot abracha, the year is over once the Torah is over, but the year, look, we, we start slichot this, uh, this Saturday evening. So tell us about Nitzavim. Let's talk about Nitzavim. Let's talk about all of the major themes that, that we find in here, some of which are, are really important. We'll start from the very beginning. I'm just going to pick a, 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 a verse, basically, that says as follows. The people are standing, they're, they're going to accept the covenant, And Moshe says, I'm not doing it with you alone. Verse 13. Those who are here. I just want to go into this verse a little bit and ask the two of you just to reflect on a moment in time where, where it seems like Everything, all successive generations are present. Barry, you want to you want to you want to start off with this and think about. It. Oh, I can't wait. Um, I think the paradigm of
1: all the generations being present is at Mount Sinai, but here there's a shift to Eber Hayarden across the river, which is fascinating because we're used to thinking of Sinai as a paradigmatic moment of our people, but here the Torah is suggesting that it's the incipient crossing of the Jordan that really is going to define the people not only for themselves, but for all time. And it's worth thinking about that for a moment at least, that this is a call to action in a very different way than I think Sinai is. We think of Sinai with the Torah, with the mitzvot, and here we're talking about getting ready to cross the river and inherit the land, which later in the Parsha we'll say, it's the land that's gonna give you life, and life to your descendants,
2: Jeremy. You want to weigh in on this? The, the The idea that everybody's present, that you you're present. I guess.
0: Oh, it's it's so rich. This is a this religion is not purely an individual religion. This is not purely about you know what happens between your one lone soul and God. It's about your membership in a covenantal community. And so, a moment like this, in which Moshe, you know, speaks in the, is. First of all, it's one of the shortest parshiot. it's one of the poet, most poetically rich parshiot. Moshe speaks in such stirring language. You know, every, everyone is here, it's not just the people you see, it's the people you don't see. And though the shot, the simple semantic meaning of that image is probably about the succeeding generations as the, as the commentators will say, I feel very strongly that, that it is both the succeeding and the foregoing. Uh, everybody is here, you can feel them, Standing beside you, you can you can feel them on your shoulders, and you have this, you know, the the like the dead come alive um, when we have these religious moments as Am Yisrael. And here we are, a week away or a little bit more from Rosh Hashanah, and I'm sure that many of the people, uh, you know, in this in this call, Rosh Hashanah certainly at Yizkor, have the feeling that people who are no longer alive are still standing with you. They are still
2: part of the corporate body of Am Yisrael. I was having this conversation, I was teaching a class today on this very subject, and thinking that one of the, one of the strategies, one of the main objectives in Rosh Hashanah is, is really to make these connections, or Rosh Hashanah and Yom know, Kippur more, more specifically, and that, and that what we're doing is, is trying to cross the chasm, you know, mend the breach between the living and the dead, So, but but that's looking backwards. That is to say, that there all the people before that have gone before are present. But but I think the pshat, as you state, is that all successive generations will be present here. And so I think that this lines up with a a major theme uh, throughout the Torah: is that every single moment has consequences for the next. Look, you know, I'm immersed in thinking about the story of Hagar and the story of the Akedah. And so when you think about those two moments, of course, everything that is subsequent to those stories depends on. And of course, everything in the Joseph story, you know, everything following that is is dependent on that. So, in some way, we are all dependent on the decisions that were made by our ancestors. And in some way, are all of our descendants dependent on the decisions that we make? Go but ahead. also, we
0: we are also we are also de- dependent on the decisions that they will make in in a. In a covenantal way, you know, people often. This is a, this is a bit, bit of a cliche, but it's like all cliches, kind of a good, good one. It's, it brings it alive. People say, you know, there's this great anxiety and controversy about you're Jewish if your grandparents are Jewish. People say, actually, you're Jewish if your grandchildren are Jewish, right? If you, if you in fact nurture a family that is enduring uh, among the Jewish people, then you succeeded. How will you? How will you know? if you have successfully transmitted uh, Jewish identification and culture and passion, a- actually the answer to that question is, is, emerges after you're gone.
2: So it's, it's very interesting. I want to pick up, that and Barry, I know you want to get in here, but you, you know, last week you said Torah is dependent on community, community is dependent on Torah. This is the same thing, which is the future is dependent on us, and we are dependent on the future. I, right. I think that, you know, for me, that constitutes, I'm going to give you the, a Kiddish prize here. Jeremy.
1: So I think that what's important in thinking about the future is that this is what gives us hope, is that we think that the future is is real and that we are actually a part of it. I think when most of us think about our own individual deaths, where, where we get tripped up is in this loss of identity, this not knowing what's going to happen. But here we have a hope for the future. And something that you said that resonated with me is this idea that to be present you have to be present with both the past and the future you spoke about Hagar and um, the Akeda, Elliot and we have to be present when we read those stories we have to be with Hagar we have to be with Ishmael we have to be with Abraham we have to be with Isaac not with one but with this pair which have different needs and what gives those stories their power for us is seeing ourselves as part of
2: it And I think also seeing ourselves as part of the future as well. I just, I want to say just, you know, a a great strategy for reading. And of course, many of us will be reading these stories very, very deeply. A great strategy for reading is to imagine yourselves as each of the characters. It's that's In in a Bible story, you are all the characters, including God and including the angel, you know, and including in the Akeda, including the Ram. The ram which is a character, I think. Okay. So, so, so
0: before, we, before we leave this part of it to get to some of the other interesting parts in the parsha, uh, we we we're speaking about a kind of one might say vertical uh, through time, you know, about the connection of the past and future. I want to I want to stress that I think it's really important uh, that Mo- Moses also gives us a horizontal breadth of the community. <laughs> Says, you know, etsecha <laughs> Who's here? Everybody down to the most menial parts of the community, the people who are doing the hardest jobs, presumably with, I, I don't think that woodchoppers and water carriers were probably the wealthiest members of society. They were probably the the, the, the most poor members of society. And Moses makes a, a strong uh, uh, assertion and I- insistence that, that a covenant of Am Yisrael can't only be with the leaders, okay? It has to be rooted through society at every level. And I, I would, you know, venture the the small guess that uh, American Jewish society might not be great at that. Might might not be great at uh, you know we, we we can be great at giving tzedakah, uh, we can be great at feeding the poor, but I, I think that all too often our communities don't feel like that the, the water water carriers and the and the woodchoppers are also deeply rooted and integrated and cared about and valued as members of society in this covenant of Moshe everybody has to count
2: seriously and for real. So I want to just take a little issue with that or just take a, a different interpretation because I think it's possible you know, in the modern context to say, you know, here, here we are, we, we have our constituencies. We, we get up in front of our schools, get up in front of our classrooms, and there are people who are in the seats and there are people who are not there. And, and in, in some way, the people who are not present are also represented by the people who are present. It's a share yes, no and, and we, we struggle so mightily to get the people that are not there, and yet, in some way, even the most marginal Jews are who are not affiliated, not present. They, we can't write them off. They're 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 present in some way. They are going to be reached in some way. Look, there are people watching this by accident that we're reaching in some way. I mean that that's the the miracle of it. And of course, you know, the holidays now present. And then this year in particular, presents this huge opportunity for people to be reached that ordinarily would not be reached because the space that they are being reached in is not the same space. It's a virtual space. I don't know.
1: So, uh, getting back to the scene for a moment, there's a geographical breadth as well because it's the people on the east side of the Jordan River, as well as the people who are going to be on the west side of the Jordan River, and then in the course of history, the people who are going to be outside the land of Israel as the result of the exile and the dispersion. And we have to be cognizant of all of that. It can't be an either-or that either you're in the land of Israel or you're in exile, Wherever you happen to be situated as an individual, you have to embrace both worlds. Okay,
2: let's move on to another verse. I'm going to set this up at the, at the end of chapter 29. We have a verse. The verse will appear somewhere in the Yom Kippur liturgy with, a, with reference to sin and with reference to secrets and with reference to things that are uh, revealed and not revealed. It says, Han uh, Nistarot Elohim." Those things which are hidden are for God. The things that are revealed, they are to us and to our children forever. Now there we we have a lot of puzzles with this verse. But um, I, let's let's go to the more complicated uh, renderings of this and the more more theological ideas, which is what is revealed, what is hidden, and what is the nature of the religious uh consciousness the religious person has to navigate a god that is hidden or 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 make make access to the god God that's hidden (laughs) go ahead anybody oh okay lost
0: there there you're back you're back you're You're back back.
2: you're back you're back
0: so you like arnold schwarzenegger you're back so uh so talk about revealed and and hidden i don't think everybody got to hear the the setup which was uh there's a complicated the the verse can be read in multiple ways and, and and uh may indicate that the hidden stuff belongs to god and perhaps that's a whole religious attitude that we shouldn't delve into mysteries we should live in this world and jews often seem to love to say that 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 this religion is not about what happens after you die it's not about a heavenly realm it's about this realm um and it may have something else to do about what is within the realm of the halakha what is it within the with the appropriate realm of law and it may there may be some additional secrets actually embedded in this in this verse with a with a sort of uh midrashic or uh the uh, mystical secrets of orthography, how you, ri- how you write the calligraphy in this verse, may indicate some other secrets. So, anybody? <laughs> Barry? You wanna, we, when we were talking before, you said, you thought that this, this indicated something about alternative visions of what religion's all about.
1: Yeah, there are two models of religion. Either we choose the mysteries of God, and we can read the phrase in this, that the mysteries are for God. That if we delve into Jewish mysticism, our emphasis is on our relationship with God and seeking to pierce the divine mystery. And that can be a noble enterprise, but it tends to leave everyone else behind. It's a solitary exercise. We don't really have communities of mystics that we hear about in the same way that we hear about communities of flesh and blood people dealing with flesh and blood problems. So what is open, what is revealed is for all of us. And we take what god has given us rather than seeking god per se and we build and fashion our community here in this world reading olam haza i suppose instead of ad olam and that's the choice that confronts us and it's not a it's not a question that we can never answer i think definitively for our entire life we go between extremes sometimes we're more in kind con- we're more in search of God. Sometimes we're more in search of community.
2: And no, we have... No, no. Mm-hmm. I would say, you know, this, this this question comes up most often in in situations of suffering, situations where people are going through extraordinary, excruciating times. And, and often they'll say, you know, they'll ask, you know, why is this happening? Why is this happening? And, and it's, you know, obviously becomes very, very tempting to say, look, we can deal with what we see. We can't deal with what we... Can't see. l'adonai that the things are hidden from us. I'm not sure how satisfying that is, you know, theologically. It's never satisfying to say, "Look, I, I don't know. I, I, just, you know, of course we don't know." No, it, you
1: know. I think we have to be careful here because there are people and people I know who find that satisfying. Yeah. They say God must know. I might not be able to figure out, but God must know. I don't. It doesn't work for me. I can tell you that.
2: Of course, yeah, yeah. Um,
1: and. But again, in light of our earlier conversation, we have to be aware that everyone is in the community. Those that find comfort in the remark saying that this is for God, we can't delve too deeply, and those that say we have to delve because this is what God has given us.
0: So what I, thought- I, want, I want to actually uh, the the way you guys have have uh, posed this as a theodicy question about suffering, and it's it's absolutely true. But I want to maybe take a, a slight angle on it, which is it, it, when people say, you know, if, if it might not be satisfying to you to have the answer that comes basically at the at the end of the book of Job for all of his suffering, God shows up in a in a storm wind and says, you know, wh- where were you when I set the foundations of the cosmos? Where were you when I created the storehouse of the snow? Where were you when I set the constellations? You're immortal, and there are things which transcend your consciousness and People might find that unappealing, but I I don't think that it means God must have a plan. I don't think that it means uh, well. It all comes out in the wash, and there's reward in Olam Haba. I think it means that that there's a limit to what the mortal human intelligence, like our hu- mortal human intelligence, for all of its wonderfulness, uh, at least partly was evolved to find the food and to and to run away from lions. Okay, you know, <laughs> at least partly our mortal human consciousness was evolved to figure out how to stay warm even though we don't have fur. And we've done remarkably well at figuring out the laws of physics and all kinds of important philosophical, you know, truths and and ideas and ethics and beauty. And there is something that is going to elude us. And it's not because, you know, God's in his heaven and the reward's going to come. It's just the, the feeling of beyond my ken. This is beyond my ken. And I find that actually very satisfying.
2: I, I think, I, 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 I concur with you, and I think just, just a slight augmentation, a slight inundation or you know, difference here would be that there is this, our, our reality and God, and that sometimes as the Torah is trying to teach us, sometimes God is breaking through from that realm to our, to our realm. And it's, that, it's, it's in the place where, where God breaks through or in the moments that God breaks through that we can, we can at least aspire and reach to ha nistarot, that is, which is hidden. That's the mystical experience that I think, Barry, you're talking about. Which is yeah,
1: and nice. to tie that back into the book of Job, what brings Job comfort at the end, they're not God's words, but that God, it's God's presence. God shows up. And the problem for us is that God does not always show up. You know, I think all of us, no matter who we were, would be content if that's the right word, if whatever befell us, God's presence was made manifest. That we find great comfort
2: in that. We're going to move to another another critical verse here at the end of the parsha, the sixth aliyah, verse eleven, chapter thirty. This commandment which I'm giving you today, it's not it's not Wondrous, lo It's not far. Lo bashamayim, hele more mi alelano It's not in heaven that someone should say, "I'll go up into heaven and get it." Ve'lo me everayon layam. It's not at the distant edge of the ocean of the sea. It's karove lachadavar meod. It's close to you. Beficha. Keep going. Keep going. Beficha uvilvavcha laasoto. Okay, do it. It's in your mouth. It 's in your heart to do it, okay this idea that that religion in general is complicated Judaism is complicated or Judaism is simple or Torah is complicated or it's right here I just I'd like to get your thoughts on on the accessibility question and how accessible the tradition is how is it how accessible is mitzvah and how accessible is the whole tradition and and is the opaqueness, the, con, the conversation, is it in some way an impediment for people to make contact with the tradition? Wanna, who would like to weigh in on that?
0: I
1: think Jeremy's about to say something.
0: And I was about to say, Barry, why don't you have a try? But uh, I think, first of all, the the poetic power of this verse is is almost beyond compare, right? Moses, Moses, whose two greatest achievements We're going up to heaven to getting a book and leading the people across the sea says, What's before you is not up in heaven and not across the sea. Like there was a way in which this this in its poetic qualities, this verse looks back across Moses' career and say, To be a good Jew, you don't have to be Moses. Okay? To be a good Jew, you don't have to be superhuman. Trust yourself. It's in your heart. Yeah. It's in your mouth. You can do this. I'm not asking you to be superhuman. I'm just asking you to be human. Okay. To me, this is like so stirring. It's so beautiful. Um, now it, it does also place a burden on us because you, because you have to trust yourself and you have to listen to your heart and you have to speak your mouth and you have to do it right. It's not just thinking something It's putting it into practice which is which is huge
1: it's the wizard of oz moment you know you're going to click your heels three times and go home but dorothy didn't know that until she got to see the wizard the problem for us is that we have this impulse to go afar sometimes when we should perhaps stay home when i was much younger i wanted to sail around the world not quite sure why and as you know i never did it but i remember one of my friends saying there are lots of worlds to sail around and that remark stayed with me and is perhaps more meaningful than the actual sailing around the world itself because it's all about how we how we shape our story it's the narrative that we tell ourselves that gets us through our lives i think and what the the poetry and the power here is that you don't have to do, as Jeremy said, anything exceptional. You have all the tools that you need, but you have to use them, right? If you don't take the tool out of the toolbox, it doesn't matter.
0: Elliot, you you were how talking how valuable a tool this. You were and, talking about the accessibility of the tradition. I, I, you tell us a, 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 a thought about this, because in addition to this claim, saying that you have it within you to be a good Jew. You have it within you. I think that in 2020, lots of us, um, you know, feel that that Judaism's kind of hard, right? Uh, there's a lot to know, a lot to do. And, and I wonder, like, in practice, we who are, are shul rabbis and educators, do, do we feel that there are a lot of obstacles before people as they try to
2: listen to what's close to them in their heart and in their mouth? So I, the way I would answer that is, is very simple I would say he, try Shabbat Shabbat is Shabbat is as accessible as anything what what is Shabbat at, at the very least at the very basic its it's a meal you can make a meal you could make a challah. I mean how difficult is it to get a challah? how difficult is it to roast a chicken or something else another how difficult is it to sit down I mean now it's very difficult to, to bring people together obviously but in normal times, Shabbat is the most accessible entry point to Judaism, and we understand that. And it, yeah.
1: OK. Well, what I would say it's a language problem. Judaism, for a lot of people, is a foreign language, and they don't have the vocabulary. The reason why Shabbat is accessible to us is because we have the vocabulary. But I think most people, their first association with Shabbat is all the things that you can't do.
2: Not true. Not true. Not true. I think whenever I've said suggested to someone coming into Judaism or someone who uh, is let's say converting or someone who has been estranged from Judaism, I say, "Here's what you need to do: get your family together and get a bottle of wine. Get a holiday. right because
1: you're casting it in positive things. But I think a lot of people, when they say Shabbat is too hard to do, they think only about what they can't do. Yeah. Right. They don't think about the quality of the meal, the quality of the family time, the close to the richness of Jewish tradition. That's what I think we have to emphasize. That's that's the vocabulary problem. I think what makes Judaism inaccessible is that we, the professional Jews, the rabbis, don't always have the proper vocabulary for teaching what we love to people in a way that they can understand it, right? It's not enough for us to understand. We have to enable other people to speak our language as well.
2: Sometimes I think about that. I think I think about the Bible in that way. Sometimes, you know, we, we get so... Well, that is a foreign language. Yeah, you know, and the Bible itself, Torah itself, can be made accessible. Sometimes I think that, you know, we, we, we make it so complicated. Uh, yeah, there's a lot going on there, obviously, but... but Let me say... Just uh, about, about vocabulary, one
0: thing, it, it, it occurs to me that uh, we, we say the phrase all the time for a Shabbat-observant person is a Shomer Shabbat. They, they keep all the negatives. They keep it, and they don't violate. But we really ought to talk about people who are Zohar Shabbat, who remember the Sabbath. Mm-hmm. Uh, people say to me, uh, a lot of people in your Shomer Shabbat. The truth is that the number of people in my synagogue who scrupulously keep the, the laws of Shabbat, scrupulously, not that large. The number of people who... Make kiddush, who light candles, who who gather with family, who who have tefillah on Shabbat is quite large. So okay. I, I think we ought to we ought to not say all the time Shomer Shabbat, but Zocher Shabbat to re, to remember, which is at least is important. Okay, we down. I'm going to take I'm going to take uh, Go Elliot's role for a second. I want to take Elliot's role for a second. As we wind down, we'll talk about one other verse. We got it. they happen to know is one of your favorite verses in the whole Bible yes. that I place before you. Blessing and curse, life and death, <inaudible> choose life, therefore choose life. So tell us a little bit about the choice as you stand before the, the crossroads that lead to, to life or death, the, class, the, the, the crossroads that lead to blessing and curse and what it means to be a Jew who is, a, is one who is <inaudible> choosing life.
2: We're getting a lot of a lot of warm feelings about this. First, because it was part of our curriculum when we taught the, these things uh, so many years at camp. You know, we taught the the beginning, the middle, and the end of the Torah, and and the beginning be a blessing, the middle be holy, and this choose life, Chaim. This is essentially the last commandment, and and what does it mean? It means that that everything that you can do, everything everything that is in front of you essentially is a life choice. And, and in a way, we, 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 we can make all the connections you know, to, to the, the earlier statement, which is the things that have been done for us have, are consequential for our lives. And that mitzvah and, and things like Shabbat is consequential for our lives. That the, the idea that you will add to your life by practicing the mitzvot, including things like Shabbat, Practicing, the, you know, increasing the knowledge of Torah in your life is a way of increasing life. and And it's not an accident that the Torah ends with this idea as well as it starts with a way of saying that the eternal life is cut off from you. You know, when the tree of life is guarded by the fiery sword in the Garden of Eden, what happens is that... There is a transformation within the 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 Torah itself that the Torah itself becomes the tree of life, and we say that it 's Machazikimba. the Torah is the tree of life um, choosing life means choosing torah uh, and and choosing life means that that there is a life choice with every single choice that you make, i think and this is the the bow that the Torah really ends with the Torah is telling you that every single choice that you are faced with is a choice of life and death really in some ways
1: so just to add a little point to what you said so beautifully Elliot is this idea is that we can't control what happens to us but we can control how we respond that's the choice that we have you know, good things could happen, bad things could happen. We may not be able to pick those. But how we choose to do, to live is a choice that we always have. We always have something that we can do to make life our own and to share it with others. A lot of
0: time, you know, leave chor in the Bible uh, can, can, can mean choose, like select among options. And it, it can also mean to like really you know, to really love something, right? I, I choose you means I love you, I care so much. And I think there are a lot of ways in, the, in, in life in which we, you know, sometimes think, oh, this stinks, life is hard, and life, ah, life is difficult. To me, when I hear the verse one of the, one of the resonances has <laughs> for me is, love life, life is good, this is a good world and a good existence. And we know that, frankly, you know, there are, there, are, um, there are characters in the Bible and people that we know. And I'm sure everyone listening has had a loved one perhaps struggle terribly with depression, even attempt suicide, or Chaspa Khalili even succeed at not wanting to live. But I hope that people feel, and I hope that their encounter with our religious tradition helps people feel. That life is worthy of living, and life is good, and so the choices that you make express the preciousness uh, of life, even when
2: it hurts. So this is a good way. I mean, we didn't. We didn't even get into Vayelech, but we are out of time. You know, on Saturday nights, we. You know, we're always. We've been on the journey towards Rosh Hashanah, but this, these are the themes. If, if it's not about this theme, Zochreinu, the Sefer Chaim, Le chayim you know. These are the themes that we are thinking about. We want to make our lives worthy. We want to make our lives rich and meaningful. And, um, and that is a consequence of, of the choices we make. And we also want to feel compassion for the individuals, as you mentioned, Jeremy, those who have tremendous struggle with, with, with choosing life, with loving life. So to, to them, to, to everyone, uh, as we enter into, through the gateways of uh, the Slichot period and all the way to Rosh Hashanah we'll be with you next week too uh, we want to wish you a meaningful beautiful Shabbat and uh, enjoy the study of Nitzavim Vayelech whatever context you're in and I want to just say and together we'll say everyone Shabbat Shalom Shabbat Shalom and, uh, talk. see you next week